0: In this segment, we're going to talk about a show that we have all three finally watched called American Nightmare, three-part series on Netflix, each episode 45 minutes.
1: It's a true crime television series, and it is one wild ride. It is, and it was done by the same people who did The Tender Swindler, if you saw that documentary, Mm -hmm. which was great. And it is a wild ride, because all of us had forgotten about this case, if we even knew about it. Now, I remember we did talk about it at the time, back in 2015, when it was going on. We covered it just a couple times in Muse of the News. But we didn't know the resolution of it. And that's what scares me. And we'll get into the implications of that here in a little bit. For those of you who have not seen the show, there's going to be spoilers in this, but you've had your fair warning. It details the case of Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn. This is a couple that were staying at his home on March twenty 2015. They're awakened in the middle of the night by an intruder that was shining. They had like a strobe light flashlight in their face. They also had red laser dots. Now, Aaron and Denise say that there were a couple guys who did this, that were involved in this. And they made her tie him up. They said that they were there to rob the place at first. She ties him up, and then the guy says that they're going to have to take Denise. At one point during this abduction, they say, oh, wait a second, you're not Andrea. And that was Aaron's former girlfriend. And Denise kind of looked like his former girlfriend. Mm -hmm. But they said, oh, this was meant for her. But we're going to take you anyway. So they take Denise and put her in the trunk of a car. Now, before they leave with her, they put red tape around this area in the living room, in the couch area, and they put Aaron in there. Now, key to all this is that they drugged both of them. They made them uh, take some uh, some kind of benzo and some NyQuil. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then put him in the living room. They installed a camera. Said, "This is directed at you. We can monitor this camera. You're not to contact police. We're taking her." So
2: so you're woken up. This happens mm-hmm, to you. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the terror. And then why why wouldn't you fight? Well, you feel like you're outnumbered. You're right. half asleep, and and now to make matters worse, once you take the Nyquil, yeah,
1: then you're really going to be out. And now all of this was the story that Aaron told the police department.
0: Yes, and, and let me add, there were a couple of other little things to this story, like these assailants were all in wetsuits.
1: Aaron tells the police, <laughs> when he called them the next day, like 12 hours after this supposedly happened, he calls the police the next day, and tells them and you they play the nine one one call and you hear him groggily tell this story that and he's very calm when he's telling them this and that mm-hmm. his girlfriend's been abducted last night and so on and eventually he goes into the police station and tells this incredible tale of these guys in the wetsuits that drugged him and zip tied and took his girlfriend and and the cops do not believe him. No. And Detective Matt Mustard which is a silly name, but he's the guy that's interviewing Aaron. And Aaron is, like, uh, worried about his girlfriend, you know, are you guys going to go get the people who did this and everything? And M- Mustard basically breaks down and says, we don't believe you. Uh, they bring in the FBI, and they have the FBI make Aaron take a polygraph test. Now, what we're describing is all in the first episode of American Nightmare. Uh, which the title of the episode, if I remember correctly, was The Boyfriend, Mm -hmm. which is Aaron. By the way, way they got the police with this story.
0: They got him to also say they had been arguing, they had been drinking, and so the cop immediately takes the leap that you had a big fight, you probably killed her, you dumped the body, Mm -hmm. and the cop has just decided this is what happened.
1: Right. Because oftentimes, that is what happens Mm -hmm. when a guy sure. saying this and uh yeah the, the we were having problems I mean we, we, yeah. we just made up that night and and uh said that uh they went to bed together and then this happened in the middle of the night and now she's missing
0: plus the story is a little crazy it
2: is and and why would you call police 10 hours 10 hours later right mm-hmm. well yeah they made
1: me drink well, like they Will. yeah and they had this what? camera trained on me and they said that I couldn't <laughs> call police yeah it it sounds really bizarre and uh there's also the detail
2: that he heard uh, one of the kidnappers say, uh, we're going to do some tests here. We're going to take your blood pressure. and Yeah. That was really strange, too. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. It, it went in about 50 different directions. But here's an example of the when the FBI got involved, really taking it to uh, Aaron, the boyfriend, after he had taken that lie detector test. All right, Aaron, there's no question in my mind that you failed this test. So was it an accident, or are you a calculated monster who got pissed off because there was a breakup and you just decided she wasn't going to be with anybody else, and so you were going to just kill her and dump her? She's gone. She's gone, and you know she's gone. gone. Yes, she's gone. You're going to lose the respect of your family. You're going to destroy them because they're going to defend you, and everything that they've worked hard for will get flushed down the toilet. You're going to be that cold, calculated, brutal, serial-killing monster that strangled the life out of her, killed her, and then callously dumped her body somewhere where we'll never find it. I did not You, You know where she is, and you know what happened to her. And so, you I guess, look at... I, I I, I I hold lawyer. on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, what's that? I guess I need a lawyer. I want you guys to find her. I want you guys to find her. I don't know where she is. I didn't do anything to her. So I guess I need a a lawyer to facilitate something. I don't know.
1: So this is him invoking lawyer. This is the first time he said lawyer. And, of course, that changes things for the cops. They can't keep pressing him on this when he's requesting a lawyer. And uh, this is after 18 hours. Mm. So he had cooperated and talked with them for, or maybe it's eight hours. No, I think it's like 18 hours. Yeah. That he was there at the police station talking with them and they're just hammering on him and hammering on him. It was torture. It over was and over again. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so he requests a lawyer at that point. So you watch this first episode and you're like, this boyfriend is really sus. Yeah. See,
0: I didn't think so. I believed him the whole time. Like right there, he just seemed, he seemed innocent to me and he seemed to genuinely w- be confused by it all and want to find his girlfriend. I yep. thought he
1: was sus. I thought he was sus too. Now I I mean I agree with you, Craig, in that it held my attention because it was a gray area. Like I also found him believable when he would speak, but then when I would look at the totality of the evidence, I'd go, Yeah, but this mm-hmm. is just the story is just wild. Plus yeah. you told me there were twists and turns, so I thought,
2: okay. Well, I want to believe this guy.
1: You want to believe he's innocent, but, but it's going to come back to where yeah, he really did it. Something's going on here. He, Kaiser so sated. or <laughs> uh, so yeah. But that the first episode, you're led to think there's something weird there because they were fighting because he had been contacting his former girlfriend and she had found out about it and and so there was some dissension in their relationship and they had uh, she had come over that night to talk about their future and their relationship. Yeah. So, and we've seen enough of these true crime things to where you know that it's going to be the husband or the boyfriend or the, you know, the significant other of the victim. Now, meanwhile, she's missing. They don't know where she is. The cops are thinking that he's done something. He's killed her and done something with the body. Now, in the meantime, they take his phone from him and they put it on airplane mode. So he can't get calls and can't receive text messages and all of this. According to his story, the kidnappers used his name and uh, knew his ex-girlfriend's name. Yeah. And said that they were going to take her and that he was supposed to pay them money to get her back.
2: So, so this was a kidnap for ransom thing. Yeah. So if
1: you have his phone <laughs> and you turn it on airplane mode, because you don't buy a story at all, so why would you even allow for the possibility of some? a uh, kidnapper to contact yeah. him you just take his phone the end of the first episode ends with a shot of someone else and that's her when i watched this i didn't know anything about the case so i wasn't even i didn't even remember whether she yeah. lived or died so yeah. when they showed her up there getting ready to be interviewed i'm like oh my goodness i've got to watch episode 2 she's alive she is alive so then episode 2 is And I can't remember the name of that one. Is that Gone Girl? Gone Girl. Yeah. Okay, so put this in historical context. Uh, this was 2015 when this ep- incident happened, and I think it was the year before that movie Gone Girl with Ben Affleck had come out. And it's uh, on a Gillian Flynn book, and it's about this woman who fakes her own disappearance and wants it to raise suspicion of her Boyfriend or husband because he, he was had, having an affair, he was having so an affair his way of getting back at him. So the cops immediately kind of took this as a gone girl episode when she shows back up. So, get this two days after the uh, abduction, she shows back up near her parents' house 400, I think it was 400 miles away, yeah. Huntington Beach, yeah. in Huntington Beach,
0: LA area from the Bay area, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, she walks up. And walks up to her parents' old place and then goes in with a neighbor. And so she shows back up. Now, she shows back up when they show her walking on that footage down the street. She's got, like, an overnight bag with her yeah. and a backpack. And Question about that. Where did that come from? We'll get to it. So she shows back up, and she tells authorities that, yes, basically all those details that Aaron had said, she's also saying. Guys in wetsuits. They put goggles on us. They put these swim goggles on us with tape duct tape over them to where we couldn't see anything. Uh, they put uh, the camera there. They they told us this. They took me. They put me in the trunk of our car. They drove me out. Total they switched match. cars. And it sounded like they put me in the back of a car with a loud exhaust, like a Mustang. And they took me to this place I didn't know, but I could smell pine trees when I got out. I couldn't see because I had the goggles on. I was taken into a house. The kidnapper was oddly nice to me at times and and then uh she corroborates his story she says that she was not sexually assaulted to the police originally because uh and we'll find out later why she said that so then the cops are going well okay she's in on it too he didn't kill her but they're both still guilty and uh they both participated in this Mm -hmm. and this was a big hoax you want to hear the news conference from the Vallejo police? Because this
2: is really what turned the media and the public against them. Right. Okay.
1: A uh, Huntington Beach police officer briefly spoke to Ms. Huskins. And all indications initially was that she would be cooperative with the investigation. As of right now, we have not heard from Ms. Huskins, and we are no longer in contact with any of the family members.
2: I was about to hear one of her lawyers talk here.
1: The statement that Mr. Quinn provided was such an incredible story. We initially had a hard time believing it. And upon further investigation, we were not able to substantiate any of the things that he was saying. Denise needs to talk to the police. She needs to verify, back up, what Aaron has already told them. None of the claims has been substantiated. And I can go... I could go one step further to say this Mr. Quinn and Ms. Huskins has plundered valuable resources away from our community I know that Aaron is a victim but I begin to wonder of whom who's really behind all of this i would never ever heard of a case where the kidnappers drop their victim at the front door of their family's house so in now that speaking at the end there who was that that was uh, one of the attorneys for for um for Aaron and For Denise. Aaron right because then they his attorneys are thinking well maybe she did this to him and he mm-hmm. didn't know about it so on To continue, the police uh, comment that the guy made there, he said when he said they plunder valuable resources from the community and they've taken the focus away from true victims of our community while instilling fear amongst our community members, Mr. Quinn and Miss Huskins owe this community an apology. Wow. So that happens. The police say that this is a hoax. They start blaming her and him. Case closed. And then, right. And that's what all America goes with. Mm Mm-hmm. All America, I mean, they lit her up on social media, you lying, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff Nancy like this. Nancy Grace weighed in. Nancy, uh, this is just, oh, these people girl. need to be locked away. and Because we all know the instant opinions we're supposed to have, and we need to have strong reactions online, because that's what's fun to do while we're avoiding work in our cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> so uh then the strangest twist in a case, a reporter for the newspaper starts getting emails from an email address that was like denise huskins kidnapper at whatever (laughs) yeah and the the guy says uh hey look we, uh, we are the people who kidnapped Denise Huskins. She is not lying. Tell the Vallejo Police Department to back off their false claim that this is a hoax. She is an innocent person in this and they better back off their claim.
0: The criminal the, defending, <laughs> de- the defending
1: the victim <laughs> by, because he, he was so annoyed that they were saying that she was uh, a liar. Yeah. And he started sending, uh, photographs of the gun that he used with the strobe light on it, of the uh, the cameras, all this sort of thing, providing evidence to the newspaper reporter who took it to the police. And the police said, well, this is probably just someone from her camp that's doing this to make it look like they were yeah, actually we telling the truth. We don't have time for this. So they weren't believed. They were hated by all of America, victimized again. And then it comes out that... Uh, she detailed that not only was she abducted, but while she was in custody of that kidnapper, she says that there were multiple guys that were involved. They did see another set of feet when she was kidnapped. She said that she could see that someone else was there in the house with them. And that when she was taken to this house, this other location hundreds of miles away, she heard her primary kidnapper go out and talk to other guys. And meanwhile, in the emails to the, uh, that the kidnapper did to the reporter he said that they're part of a group that does this professionally they kidnap people for ransom and they're looking to expand their operation and this is like a test run that they're doing former military they're former military grads. and meanwhile the emails are very well written and sound like almost a lawyer is talking at times she says that that he while he was in custody he did sexually assault her and filmed it and he said that he did that as collateral so that she would not ever rat out their identity because he would then release this videotape online twice. Yes. And he did it mm. the second time he said, because she wasn't convincing that, that this was, he wanted it to look consensual. So that is the biggest mm. trauma aspect of yeah. all this, uh, is that he did this to her and then he ends up letting her go and near her parents' house. And that's the, that's rest of the story that here. I told you. So, He starts contacting the reporter. Reporter tells police. The police still don't believe it. Finally, there was three weeks later. I think it was three weeks after this. Ten ten weeks later. Yeah. There's another break-in and an attempted abduction of a young woman. And the young, she lived with her parents, though. And her dad fights off this intruder that was trying to abduct this 24-year-old woman. And uh the cops get called out to that. And that happened in the area around where the original mm-hmm, one happened. Yeah. And they find a cell phone there in the kitchen where this abduct- attempted abduction happened. Least competent criminal. Yes. You left know, behind be a stone. cell phone. <laughs> they trace the cell phone to this woman. And they contact the woman and say, hey, this cell phone's registered under you. You know, is this your cell phone? She goes, well, I, yeah, well, it's my son's. He uses it. And um so they identify her son, and they say, well, where is he? Well, he's at this remote cabin that we have on a lake surrounded by pine trees. South Lake Tahoe. South Lake Tahoe. And so they go, and they go into this cabin, and they see all kinds of strange stuff, duct tape, zip ties, and they arrest a, a young man there named Matthew Muller.
0: Let's pause there. Okay. Let's pick it up here in this next segment. We we got to do two segments here because yeah, I yeah. know we all have questions about it, and we'll let you know. Danny,
1: will you tell Shorty we can't get to? Yeah, him? tell Shorty yeah, we'll Shorty. get to him maybe maybe tomorrow. tomorrow. I'll so, shoot him a text.
0: But next we'll uh, talk more about who Matthew Mueller actually was and whether the couple was ever vindicated.
2: Sports Radio ninety six seven and thirteen ten the ticket.
0: All right, our review of American Nightmare, the true crime. Miniseries on netflix continues now when last we left you authorities through a dropped cell phone at this site of a botched kidnapping similar to the kidnapping which is the main focus of this story authorities were able to track this guy matthew muller to a little cabin south lake tahoe about three hours away from the bay
1: area mm-hmm. and uh and so as they're going through Matthew Muller's things at that cabin, they found the suspicious items like zip ties and duct tape. And But those, of course, can be explained in some other way, right? They're also legitimate things for that. But then they started right. finding strange stuff like... Goggles, swim goggles with duct tape over the eyes, exactly as Denise and Aaron had described. That the police didn't believe. That the police didn't believe. And still up until this point, the Vallejo police, who are the primary investigators of Aaron and Denise's incident, they still don't believe it as a kid. They think it was all a hoax. A hoax. And the new
2: detective from Dublin, California, sees the strand of blonde hair
1: in one of the goggles. Right. Misty. Car- Caruso. Car- Caruso 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 thank goodness Caruso. For her. Caruso Caruso uh yeah thank goodness for her because she sees in this in the duct tape in the uh stickiness in the adhesive of the duct tape there was a blonde hair that was hanging off of this and she was wondering who does that blonde hair belong to so she starts really investigating Matthew Muller and trying to find out if he could have been involved in any other kidnappings and she's the one who finds this Vallejo case of Denise Huskins and makes the connection. And up until this point, the Vallejo Police Department was all still, hey, these people are guilty. They owe everyone an apology. I mean, the stuff that Aaron went through in the 18 hours of having been told that he's he killed his girlfriend and. And meanwhile, he's like, oh, what are y'all doing to get her right now? She's been abducted, and you guys seem to, I just see everyone walking around here with coffee. No one's going after her, trying to find her. Well, we don't need to, uh, because you did this, uh, and so, yeah, 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 Gone Girl. Uh, didn't you see the movie, Aaron? So, yeah, it's and it was so frustrating. So it turns out this one detective, Misty, from another police department, makes a connection, and then we find out they were telling the truth the whole time. And they were persecuted by the law enforcement who was there to try to supposed to be trying to not only recover her, but prosecute the people who actually did this, but who had such tunnel vision. They had already had their conclusion and we don't need to do any more investigating. We don't need to keep your phone on. We don't need to track the emails that were sent to you demanding ransom. Mm. We don't need to do any of that stuff. And they went so far as to go out. Let's say that they even believe that it that this was a hoax. If in the slight possibility that it's not, while you're still trying to actively investigate the case, you don't go out there and trash these people's names. Right. No. Yeah, I and don't understand that. It's so shocking. And then she went through all of this with the police, with not being believed, and then all of the media... And all of us who consume the media mm-hmm. that jumped in, weighed on this, keyboard warriored her, served her some justice online by calling her names and saying that this guy was uh this boyfriend of hers, he's a he's an idiot, something's off about him. So they kind of ended their lives. Yeah. I mean their their public lives. I mean that they they had to deal with the trauma of what happened to them and the trauma of the human cruelty of of the police department and all the rest of us. Incredible. They had to go through that. And and she was not only kidnapped, but then gradually assaulted twice with this guy. They arrest him. He gets put on trial. He represented himself at trial because it turns out he was indeed former military. He was a Marine. Yep, And he had gone through Harvard Law School and was a lawyer. Now, he had been recently disbarred before this, but he represented himself in court. He ends up getting 40 years of a prison sentence, and then uh, later on in 2022, he was sentenced to a further 31 years in jail for rape and kidnapping. So Matthew Muller is behind bars. She shows up at court, testifies against him, and the composure and strength that she shows throughout this entire documentary is is jaw-dropping yeah. that she endured this and is telling us this story. And the what she went through and what he went through, to a lesser extent, uh, but still very notable, is incredible. And what a story of strength. And then at the beginning of the documentary, you will see, I believe it even starts on this shot, of her walking on a beach. And uh, it's just the back of her. You don't see you know who it is. And you just think this is an illustration of, you know, the person that we're going to be hearing about in this, maybe it's even an actress that they have. Um, and then they, uh, at the end of the documentary, you see that they draw back on that shot of her on the beach. Oh my gosh. I'm such a softie these days. <laughs> and, it got, this and, got me too. Yeah. And her, she has two kids that run up to yeah, her, two
2: little girls with with the yeah. boyfriend. And now you find her out,
1: and you find out that those are not only her kids. First of all, just seeing her have kids, I'm like, oh, yeah, thank God she, you know, her life and move on with her. Yeah, life. she was yeah. able to move on, and and then you find out that no, it's her kids with him. They end up getting married. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and think about what that bond, what they had to go through. Yeah, that that probably strengthened their relationship forever. You know, like you can't break that bond after having the world against you. I know. You.
1: But some people it's the exact opposite to see the face of someone that you did bond with in a trauma always reminds you of that trauma. Yeah. So, so it's good to see that that they that they survived it. So they go after the
2: police with the lawsuit and they're awarded 2.5 Two million. million? $2.5 million
1: dollars? All?
0: That's all. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't either. How is that police department still in existence? That is the most corrupt and incompetent
1: police department I've ever
0: seen in something hey, like Detective
1: this. Detective Mustard got
0: Detective of the Year in yeah. 2015. Yeah, the, the guy that
1: was grilling Aaron. And look, it, it's not... This is an awkward stance because I think the police completely botched this and they did so many wrong things. I get why they have to suspect the boyfriend at first. Sure. sure. And you do have to have a bad cop to a good cop, and we didn't see anybody playing good cop in this one.
2: Yeah, maybe that's part of the procedure that you push them like that and then they've probably had some testimony before, okay – Yeah, I did it.
1: Yeah, but after you do this little pressure check of him to see if you can get him to break and everything, you've got to start investigating whether this was real Yeah, and just to ignore that whole side of it, and then you back off of him, and you certainly don't go out and make these public statements that uh, they owe all of us an apology, and they did not even apologize for that until much later, I believe, a, a successive police chief Apologized in a kind of a half-assed way for it. I've never heard whether the guy who actually made that statement publicly, Detective Park or whatever yeah. his name was. I don't. I've never I've heard, heard whether he apologized for making this statement. Wouldn't you feel incredibly guilty after you know the rest of the story and that you had tunnel vision and suspected these people all along? Yeah, you're so prideful you won't say, "Dude, we messed up royally."
0: How about the weirdness of the FBI agent that came in and you found out that he was. Dating the boyfriend's ex, and, the, yes, yeah. Andrea,
1: who was the initial um focus of the kidnappers. They said, "Oh, we were supposed to take Andrea."
0: So, so that, and that FBI agent also
1: they, appeared to be railroading the boyfriend.
0: Right. So I thought, I thought going through this, it was going to be Andrea that was the mastermind. Right. Well,
1: that was one of the questions that a lot of people had, or that David Cesma, guy, the FBI yeah. guy, who used to date Andrea, who. She was supposed to be the target of this kidnapping, and Denise was taken instead. So there's a lot of questions that people had after watching the documentary about what was that all about, about the intended victim actually having a relationship with the FBI agent who was running the investigation, trying to pin it on Denise's boyfriend. Why don't we try to answer some of those questions in the corner? In the corner, because a lot of P1s have comments about this, too. Yeah. But up next, we have music. And time for Gordo's Corner, brought to us by Tylock George Laser Eye Care and A1 Locksmith Security and Safes. Thank you, Junes. During this segment, we're going to talk about the P1s' reaction and the outstanding questions that we have after watching American Nightmare on Netflix, three-part documentary about a kidnapping that happened in 2015. Uh, that uh, this woman was abducted from the home of her boyfriend and taken on this two-day nightmare and then released afterwards. And the cops didn't believe her. America didn't believe her at first. The press didn't believe her. And then it turns out she was right all along. And the story, the way it was told on Netflix, I felt was just masterful. But it did leave you with a few questions. Uh, Vanston says, I listen on the Sports Day app. And listen to most of your segments this morning. The two segments on American Nightmare were great. And to be honest, you should do two more. (laughs) Well, you're getting one more (laughs) because we're doing it right here. Okay. So we told you about how the documentary ends with her and uh, her two kids with Aaron. They end up staying together. The couple stays together. They get married and they have two kids. Um, One thing that uh, Jay Candler pointed out, he said that during the... He knew that something, that she had gotten married because when she was interviewed in episode two and telling the story of the kidnapping she had on a wedding ring. Ah, uh, okay. I didn't notice that. I, didn't I, know that. Know that. I did that. You did?
2: But I didn't know who she married. Right. You I certainly she, didn't know it was Yeah, maybe had another life now. Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, so a few outstanding questions that weren't covered in the documentary that people had was a lot of people felt like they glossed over with just the brief mention that, The intended kidnapping target, Andrea, who was Aaron's former girlfriend, had dated the FBI agent, David Sesma, who was leading the FBI's investigation into this and seemed to be pinning it on Aaron, Denise's boyfriend, the whole time. They felt like that should have been expanded upon because they just said the FBI investigated it and said that it was irrelevant, Yeah, that there was no real connection here. Which may be true. Like they may have done a thorough investigation and found that this is one of those crazy coincidences, right? What are of the, gods the of guy, that? the FBI agent works in the area. The ex-girlfriend obviously lives in the area. It's not completely crazy that that they may have dated. But it it does seem wild that he wouldn't have been recused from the case right. or just something. Yeah. At least give us the full explanation of what happened there. Another thing people had questions about is what happened. Was that? that uh, camera up there was that real that was trained on aaron when he was sitting there trying to debate whether or not to call police when the kidnapper installed a camera and said we'll be watching you was that yeah. real did they have it plugged up was there actually a live feed my guess is no yeah, It was a fake camera but yeah. they should
0: have covered that seeing as how the, the perpetrator used fake guns i think the cameras were probably also fake. Mm-hmm. He faked a lot of stuff, including the the wetsuits to imply that they came up through the water from the bay?
1: No, I think that that was, the wetsuits were to preserve biological DNA. Evidence. Ah, okay. In other words, you're covered head to toe. It's a dark outfit, so you can okay. slink around at night, while at the same time, you're not going to be shedding skin, hair not fibers, yet. and things like that. And we haven't covered the uh, the blow-up doll that was found. They found a blow-up doll when they went to Matthew Muller's lakeside cabin and they were getting all the uh, the stuff that he had left behind there. They found that in the trunk of his car, I believe. Yeah. A blow-up doll that was dressed in an outfit. And I thought that the implication was, even though they didn't spell it out for you, was that he was using the blow-up doll not in a... Necessarily, gradual fashion. It was to appear to be another person mm-hmm. while he was doing these kidnappings, so that victims such as Denise and Aaron would think that there are multiple men who are there in the home.
2: Yeah, and the had a scary mask on
1: it, so right. you're outnumbered,
2: you're intimidated. But I ask you this question, and you you had an interesting uh, interesting answer. Denise and Aaron
1: both still believe that there was more than one kidnapper. Yes. They still maintain that. So either they saw something while she was being kidnapped that made them think that, well, it wasn't just an inanimate object standing there that we just saw the feet. We saw movement. We saw we felt like there were two people in the room, you know, because even if your eyes are are hidden, you can tell if two sometimes, yeah. you know, you can tell if two people are moving around the room. You can feel the, yeah. the wind disturbance in the room if two people are moving quickly in a room.
0: She even said at the cabin there was another person there and heard a conversation. Right. So he has to have some kind of
1: cohort in this. So who is the accomplice if there are accomplices? Now, this is a lot of speculation because a lot of people are led to... Wait a second. That's why you don't gloss over this FBI agent who is heading the investigation that is the former boyfriend of the intended target. People are very suspicious of that. And... I'm of two minds on that because we're so primed with true crime intrigue and conspiracy theory. I understand why people's mind goes there because that seems to be the next level that the writer would write the story. Mm-hmm. But that thinking is what led us to believe immediately that Aaron was the guy who did this. And oh, I know that I know how these. It's, we're so used to consuming these things as stories and narratives, it leads you to conclusions that that aren't always really accurate. Right. And, uh, but there may be something to it, and I wish the documentary had expanded on that enough to satisfy people's curiosity about it. You know, the other thing that was odd was that Matthew Muller, if he was working alone, he did seem to have a lot of information about who lived where, what they did, even in other attempted kidnappings and aborted kidnappings that he had done. Uh, uh he knew the person's name that yeah. one woman that they talked to and said that uh when she begged him please don't do this and he had you know he said yeah i can't passion, do this yeah. and he left mm-hmm. he knew her name and i think knew a few more details about her and told her that he and he was getting that? in these houses really easily maybe he was an expert lock picker or he always waited for an open door i, I don't know he was ex military maybe he it was ex military right but did oh, he have course. someone The implication is, did he have someone in law enforcement that was actually part of this kidnapping crime group that could give him intel that is accessed in law enforcement databases and runs interference on investigations such as this, which we saw in the Vallejo Police Department? They seemed very quickly to want to pin it on just Aaron. And then after Mueller gets busted by another police agency, not Vallejo, another police agency identifies Mueller as the guy who actually did this the vallejo police came out and said muller alone it was only muller yeah nobody else yeah nobody else case closed or maybe it. that is the or answer that could be the answer maybe he just would get
0: obsessed with his potential victims learn all about them mm-hmm. uh you know their names how to get into their home the timing patterns of when to enter the home maybe he was an expert locksmith who knows? Maybe all. Maybe the obvious answer is Possible. the one. Yeah.
1: I was telling George uh, as he was coming back from the live room, and I caught him in the uh, the hallway. <laughs> um, what scares me about this is that, particularly in today's social media age and entertainment age, which we consume true crime as entertainment, I'm worried that a criminal, in order to obscure the fact that you do something, make it so outrageous that no cop is going to believe the victim's story. Mm -hmm. You know, make, if you make the victim do a bunch of crazy things and then they're trying to give cops every detail and you're saying, yeah. And then, then he made me put on a jester hat, and then I had to memorize the fifty state capitals, and then I had to, and then, Drink milk and then of course an hour. He, he kept asking about Abraham Lincoln and everything. And you're like, whoa, whoa wait a second, yeah. Uh, you, you're wanting us to buy this story that makes no sense. What guy who's wanting to kidnap you is going to take time to make you memorize what you didn't, didn't even make? So you just make it ridiculous, and then you're guaranteed the victim's not going to be believed.
0: Yeah.
2: And not a defense of this. Police department that totally dropped the ball. Indeed. But it did at least make me think, do they are they so inundated with investigations and claims that they're quick to just go, okay, put that in that file. Don't believe it. Let's Now I know that's wrong, it's terrible, but it also just makes me think, are they
1: we talk about their incompetence, but are they overwhelmed? And so they want to immediately file it away and slot it as, well, this guy did it and we know he did it. So why would we waste any time even looking at other people? Because the last 80 cases they've had, it's always been the
2: spouse and it's always been the boyfriend or I, I know that's not fair. I'm just saying.
1: Certainly there's something that can be learned from this case. Yeah. Like if the Vallejo to police, police department watches this, this documentary. Do they look at that and go, this is all great detective work. This is textbook. They can't. I mean, sometimes you reach a wrong conclusion, but uh, I wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing. We handled it perfectly. You know, another thing that kind of bothers me, and I know that legally cops are allowed to lie to you. Uh, and there, I'm sure there's lots of reasoning and case law as to why this is a great thing, that cops can be liars in order to seek the truth. Uh, but it is a little weird when you see that FBI investigator that can just lie to Aaron saying he failed a polygraph yeah. test when, in reality, even in their own paperwork that they filed, said that it was inconclusive. Like, is that just, that's the world we want. We want no. lying FBI no. agents no. who, I mean, and those police, I'm sure they love being lied to, too. They're, they're, <laughs> right. They like being lied to as well, and... And everyone has the right to lie, even though they're reminding the it's of federal crime to lie to a law and to an FBI agent.
0: I thought that was terrible when he told him he failed. And if I put myself in his shoes, I would believe that. I would Mm -hmm. think, well, God, I was telling the truth, but I failed. Now, what are they going to think?
1: Right. That's terrible. that's, That's the other thing. If you study the psychology of it, people can gaslight you, particularly in people in a position of authority. They can convince there's a reason why there are false confessions. Yeah. And it's the psychological pressure that you turn up on someone so much that they'll say anything to get out of it.
0: When they showed the boyfriend all balled up on those uncomfortable chairs after 18 hours, I thought we might be heading towards a confession just to make it end.
1: Right. Yeah. And law enforcement, tough job. You know, we count on these people to make our community safer to catch the bad guys. And I know it's a difficult process, particularly when they don't know the truth and they're trying to seek out what really happened in this case. Here we have a woman who is supposedly victimized. We think she may be victimized by her spouse or her partner, which is the most common form of this. But is there anything that they can do better? And I would think law enforcement wants to do things better and learn new techniques. And we have learned a lot about false confessions. We have learned a lot about bad eyewitness testimony. We're trying to improve this, not defend the way it's always been done. I wondered, I would have liked to have heard their side of the story,
2: the police side of the story, FBI. Yeah, why didn't they talk? I don't know. And maybe that could have helped them And. In- there were not consistencies in the story. The, the stories was not, was not the same. We had him tell it eight different times and we got eight different stories. Well, I don't maybe think it was that
1: bad. Well, I'm just saying. You're saying whatever their argument whatever their is, argument at least is. they yeah. can yeah. present it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't think that the producers they... would show them in good faith or something like that. Maybe not. And so just don't participate at all. But yeah, I think they did themselves a great disservice by not participating in this and at least have Okay, this is why we did this. If, if you show it out of context, then it may seem weird, but this and this and this led us to believe this. And yes, we messed up here, but these are the reasons why. Yeah. Uh, offer some explanation because otherwise you're at the end of this documentary and everyone is pissed. Yeah. You cannot watch this and not at the end be pissed at what you've seen. Yeah.
0: Boy, how about the. I apologize if you mentioned this already, but how about the police chief telling... I think it was the the spokesman who was going out there doing the press conferences, burn the
1: bitch. Yeah. Uh, don't mark that, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't mark I have that. an unpopular take on that. Okay. I felt like that was uncorroborated and inflammatory, and it's like, well... We're, I thought that they were going to play the audio of him saying it. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, this one guy said that he had said that.
2: So So it may not have happened. I mean. Was that the same thing about the um, we find that with victims of sexual assault that sometimes they want to relive it? Yeah, that was the other thing that Matt Mustard
1: supposedly said to the... Wasn't Denise's mother? Denise's was it? mom, I think. Yeah. Yes. Good lord! He said this to Denise's mother because that's the other thing that was revealed in this documentary: is that she had been something that happened to her as a child yeah. and a young mm-hmm. person, and uh, and Matt Mustard floated out there. Well, maybe she, uh, you know, went out there and orchestrated this herself because sometimes people like to relive their trauma.
0: God, that yeah. mustard.
1: Yeah. There's there's no. There's no bad cop explanation for why that was a necessary interrogation technique. Right. And that t- talking to the victim's mother. <laughs> I mean, there's no defense of that. No.
0: Which makes the Denise story even more amazing that she suffered through that at 12 than this at 25 or 30, whatever she was. And and it still ended up being okay for her with a new family.
1: Another question that people had, and I, I remember thinking this too when I was watching it when you're watching her coming back with the overnight bag the backpack it looked like she was returning from a trip Mm -hmm. that she had taken and when at that point in the documentary when you're not sure what had happened or if you see that footage you're going that seems weird you expect the kidnapped victim to be having the duct tape hanging off of their mouth and (laughs) and you know stumbling down the street trying to get somewhere and kind of a frantic and everything the explanations for that was one, the reason she's not panicky there is she's traumatized. Yeah. And she'd also been drugged for that trip. She'd taken nightquil yeah. and Benzos again there. And that, and the documentary failed to explain that he had made her take an overnight bag. He made her pack stuff before they left the house during the kidnapping. Okay. And that she was carrying that stuff back with her. But the documentary. I wonder if they did this intentionally to preserve some kind of... Are they telling the truth? Or are they not? I don't know whether they were just trying to... Yeah, that was strange, because that was one of the questions. Why didn't they tell us that, right. yeah. that she was required to take that, and she was returning with that bag? I, I don't know. But... Yeah, the Vallejo Police Department is getting killed on social media. Oh, yeah. I could have predicted that. Um... Mm. for what went on and yeah hey i'd love to hear from leo's uh law enforcement officers who who watched this and if they saw anything that would add insight to this and things that they saw that say yeah this cop completely botched this or hey this guy's doing this for this and such reason or some kind of context which makes sense of this to the layperson, right it's crazy. It's worth, it's worth
0: your two hours and fifteen
1: yeah. minutes. Yeah, and and the my main takeaway: I'm not in law enforcement, so I can't take a whole bunch of lessons from that. And you know, you can lock your doors at night. Uh, what can you take away from this that that makes things better? One thing that I take away is: don't believe every narrative that's pushed out there by the media, by social media, and everything. We are so quick to immediately decide how we're supposed to feel about things Mm -hmm. based on what's presented to us, including this documentary. There may be more to this story that I know about because I was presented one slice of something and I'm supposed to feel all the things I'm supposed to feel. Well, you start realizing that's how our whole day goes, because we can't evaluate every piece of information. So I understand why we make decisions and opinions based on the limited information we have. The mistake that we... And I don't think that's a mistake. You make decisions and opinions based on the limited information you have. The mistake that we make is not realizing that we have limited information. We always think, well, I know enough. Yeah, I know enough to make this opinion. And a lot of times we don't. And now I think we live in a world where even exploring, well, what additional information may affect my opinion here? Sometimes that is seen as why are you even investigating that? Mm-hmm. Ask, don't even get into the the full story of something because this is what we believe over here, right? And to even question this is you're not faithful to our side. Yeah, I hate that because I, it's complicated, buddy. But if even half of the stuff in this was presented accurately and fairly, oh my gosh, those people so wrong, so wronged. <laughs> by not only the obvious person, which is the perpetrator, but the community at large...